Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Local Youth Worker. Um, this is, I think, episode number 407, and I am at Laguna Beach uh, with a few guys. Um, let's all <laughs> let's all introduce ourselves. Um, Adam, let's start with you. Uh, I am Adam Kopic. I am family pastor at Young Meadows Presbyterian Church in Montgomery, Alabama. Do you want us to tell the title? We'll get to that in okay. just a second. I didn't key you up. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got to offer then. Okay. And I'm Clay Anderson, and I'm the assistant middle school director at Christ Covenant Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Joel May, I am the assistant pastor of youth ministries at Christ Covenant Church, also in Charlotte, North Carolina. Technically, we're getting off on a technicality here, it's Matthews, North Carolina, but it's in the Charlotte area. So, How have we not met before? <laughs> it's a pretty big place right? yeah touche touche fair enough fair enough um so just reminding our listeners we're at high school florida one the the sound quality isn't like just the amazing production quality that we typically have on our podcast so it might sound weird um we're in a you know pretty classy room right now um the air conditioner might cut on and it sounds like a jet engine Somebody might walk in. We have no idea. Um, but this is the last day of, of the conference. We all just wrapped up our electives. Um, and just a little bit, I'll get you guys to talk about the elective that you're, you're teaching. But let, let me just kind of general question. How do you guys feel when you finish teaching? Um, and it, can't, it might not just be like this class that you've been teaching this year, but typically when you get done teaching youth, how do you typically feel? Who wants to jump in on that? Just thoughts. Yeah, play. so I typically teach middle schoolers, so I try not to ask that question. <laughs> but, and this was my first elective teaching at RYM, and it was, it was really fun. And I was teaching on college prep, just talking about college prep with Christ in mind. So there were a lot of easy kind of questions to go through, and juniors and seniors, even the interns were thinking about it. So they were pretty engaged, which was really helpful. And um, I feel like I said what I wanted to say, and kind of disappointed them with a lot of like non-answers about being faithful gives you a lot of possibilities in the Christian mm -hmm. life. And so um, maybe it was a little bit more of an open end, but it was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. In general, I feel like when I get done teaching or preaching it, there's, there's an obvious sense of relief, but it's also, yeah, like Clay said, you're kind of fighting that immediate temptation to be like, Oh, I should have said this one word faster or louder or quieter and yeah, not getting up in your head about it. The, the question I really like to ask myself whenever I get done is like, w was I as faithful as I could be in the way that I taught that? And, you know, you can talk, think about the context, the size of the group, the content, you can think about all sorts of things. But as long as I can kind of say, uh, I, I said what I think needed to be said, I was faithful to what needed to be said, especially the content. And I did my best. Uh, I, I did my best. I put my best foot forward in terms of context. That's sort of the immediate thoughts that run through my head. Uh, usually, I have like a second wave of energy after I get done teaching. Um, so I'm I'm more exhausted. I'm tired, but then I'm also like, let's go, like run it back. So yeah, that'd be the general general approach. Yeah. Um 
Uh, I did run it back. Uh, I taught this last week at middle school. Um, so, so I don't know that I have the second wave of energy. Uh, I am, yeah, yeah, I am uh, fully depleted. Um, a, a good friend of mine, she, she's helped me. I'm very similar to you, Joel, just struggling with uh, Sunday hangover when we preach of just, you know, really self-deprecating, you know, uh, you know what, did I, what could I have done better? And she just always was really helpful to say, like, consider this your spiritual worship. You know, this is your yeah. altar sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You're prepped. You went in. You can't kind of go back on it. Like, you can always improve, but this is this is my worship of the Lord. And that's really helped me, and especially here. And again, like Clay said, I, I try not to, to read too much into uh, <laughs> some, some different youth ages responses, but um, as I spoke on grief and suffering sweet. Um, it is hard because um, I engage my own story, um, own places of harm, and so actually it's it's really draining. Um, it's it, I, I kind of teach it in a very counseling way. So I, I I gain a lot of life being able to engage other people's stories and and having some of the conversations that are outside of the classroom, like on the beach or um, while I was late here. Um, and so I love those, um, but it can be heavy. And so like I, I really enjoy. RYM is one of my favorite times, and you, you two guys are a huge part of that over the years, having been interns in the past, and this is one of my favorite places to be, and being able to teach an elective is so life-giving to, to one, to see who shows up, to see other brothers and sisters that you meet, and sometimes it's engaging not just with the students, but the leaders and their stories, and having them come up and say, man, that was really helpful, I'll use that when I go home, or and so, um, yeah, it's just this mixture of exhaustion, second wind, uh, maybe delusion, um, but all of it, it's just a, it's a really sweet time here at RYM. You guys just do such a good job of setting it up for these elective classes to be successful. And so um, just a real sweet blessing of the Lord to be here. Hmm. Well, um, I'm glad I could add to your draining feeling right after you finished <laughs> asking you to record a podcast right, yeah, right after. Um, no, I, I hear you on that. I mean, it is. I had a friend who said that um, he doesn't get anxious at all when he's preaching, teaching, but the anxiety comes after the sermon. And that's something I hadn't thought a lot about until you know I started teaching more consistently of just all the what ifs, all the like, I wish I would have said it this way. I could have been more gracious with this. Um, and yeah, it can it can be hard because usually I'm I guess similar to what. A lot of y'all are saying like like um, there is just kind of an exhaustion right when you're done because you don't really think about it. just your brain has been on for this kind of two hour block really trying to be careful with what you're saying really trying to communicate clearly um, trying to be mindful of the time just all these little logistical things too and then it's like once it's over with it's just kind of like <laughs> you know exhausting and here comes the air conditioner so who knows how loud that's going to be um, but then yeah there is kind of that second wave too of relief of like all right, we're done for a week, and now like another week of teaching. And so, um, yeah, kind of the, the second wave too. Um, look, let's do this. Let's we're going to dig into our um, electives a little bit more. Um, talk about student interaction and stuff like that. But let's take a quick break. Hey everybody, I just want to remind you about a devotional that RYM has partnered with New Growth Press on, entitled "Social Media Pressure." Finding Peace Alongside Jesus. For the next couple of weeks, it's 30% off if you use the code RYM30 at newgrowthpress.com. This is a devotional that's written for teens, but youth workers, you can use this alongside them as well as parents. So go to newgrowthpress.com, 
Type in RYM30 for 30% off for the month of July. Hey everybody, um, I'm back here with Clay, Joel, and Adam. Um, right before the break, Adam was reminding um, us, and I guess just reminding our listeners, Clay and Joel, uh, we're on staff with RLM. So Clay's been a summer intern, but you've never been on the podcast, right? Um, Joel uh, was on the podcast a couple times, once? Once. Okay, long yeah, time ago, I can't remember. The whole staff. Yeah, kind of reflecting on the summer. And Adam, have you have you been on? I'm forgetting. I'm not. Yeah. Okay, so Adam, so two first time guys on the oh, podcast. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you that personally, but no, I have not. Uh, <laughs> so me and Joel, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, all of us, I guess. Um, and we were just talking about how hot it is here in Florida. Maybe the hottest summer we've ever had. Um, I do have to say, uh, hottest summer we've had at, at our lamb. Michael Hall was telling me yesterday that I think I guess July 4th might have been the hottest day in the history of the world like he saw that headline like there's wow. some kind of stat they gathered i don't know and who knows how accurate it is but someone said uh, the heat index was like 110. oh man yeah it's, i don't even know what that means it just means really hot it's on arbitrary numbers around all week yeah. <laughs> the uv blast ray has been at seven thousand. <laughs> so um Let's jump into our electives a little bit. Clay, you've got a microphone. Why don't you, again, tell us your title of your class, um, and then, yeah, we might just ask you some follow-up questions about that. Yes, I know the first thing you were going to ask what we learned later, and I learned not to have too long of a title because it was a paragraph, <laughs> and I thought I was being clever. But my class was really college prep with Christ in mind was what I called it to their faces. And we were... What was the paragraph title? <laughs> it was like something like orientation 101 for college prep or something like that. And it just kind of kept going with a lot of college movie road trip words. Um, and it was too much. It was too much for me to write on the board. But yeah, we talked about college prep. And so uh, tried to go through this angle of like, okay, what are your questions you're asking about college? What do you want out of college? What are your goals? And it was cool. We had juniors and seniors and college interns and a couple of leaders in there. Um, and thinking through ideas of success, degrees, internships, job opportunities, friends, everything people want out of college, and trying to see how it fits under our paradigm of our Christian calling to be faithful and our, our sort of greatest commandment of loving God and loving our neighbors and how that is our big picture roadmap for what it looks like to be a college student. So you have this job or this calling to be a student, but you have this and goal as a Christian of being faithful. And the big idea was that that feels maybe restrictive because it's one thing to do, but really I said kind of explosive. There's a ton of different ways for you to be a faithful student, a faithful uh, intern or a faithful employee somewhere, a faithful athlete, and kind of talking about all those different ways it looked like. And then we spent a little bit of time talking about um, the opposite of faithfulness and loving God first, which is loving yourself first, and how college campuses are kind of built to be all about you and me, and they feed the me monster, and it's all about the best degree programs and the best resume and the best dining hall buffet, and just how to be on guard and what God offers us with our identity in Christ and the community and the church and those things that naturally take us out of ourselves 
And then we spent the last day just talking through their questions. Okay. I do have to yeah, follow up. Um, did you limit this to just juniors and seniors or was it open ninth to 12th graders could be in the class? No, I didn't limit it. I think it was mostly juniors and seniors if I remember asking on the first day and there were a couple of younger kids there. Yeah. Gotcha. And I know something and you guys jump in here. Um, what, what's something you learned from the class besides the long title? Um, <laughs> is there something that just kind of, you know, what, I've never really thought about it this way and the Lord kind of revealed that to you. Yeah, the I definitely had in my mind, like, I think that this could really shift some perspectives. And I think it did a little bit, but I was just really encouraged by the questions that the students wrote and like wrote in on the first and second day. And was like, man, they're already thinking really well about this, uh, assuming that wasn't what they thought I wanted to hear or something like that. But I was really encouraged. And so just like the idea of assuming, assuming the best of students going forward and maybe writing or preparing to teach for students who are really hungry to do this well. Um, and that's why most of them were in the class. It was really cool. Yeah. Can, can you share some of those questions? Any that come to mind? Yeah. Well, several of them were, uh, how do I find a good church? and what makes a good church or who can connect me to a good church. Uh, there were several in the vein of um, how much should I prioritize a campus ministry and what makes a good campus ministry. And then a few of the more popular ones were, um, should I go to a Christian college or a secular college? How do I be a good roommate? So everyone was wanting to do things well, do the things that God's called us to do well, and was trying to figure that out. Okay. That's good. And I mean, you just saying too, how the, the universities are set up to just feed us. And, yeah. and that, that, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's a good truth and something good to prepare students for. Do you guys have any thoughts, questions on clays? Well, maybe, maybe like what, what, if anything, are noticeable differences besides like level of maturity and attention span? Were there any noticeable differences between primarily teaching middle school week in, week out, and sort of shifting into like fledgling young adults almost. <laughs> like about to be yeah, pushed out that's of the right. nest and that's right. see if they can fly or yeah. fall. Definitely the questions, like just asking the room to be like, what are some reasons you guys would join a campus ministry or wouldn't? And not getting like blank stares, like, oh, we were supposed to be listening. Um, <laughs> was really fun for, for my part and being able to like go back to ideas that we'd already talked about and sort of like weave themes through the week, the idea of the faithfulness or the old self versus the new self were things we hit on kind of every day. And so the fact that they had sort of stayed engaged was really, really fun for me as a teacher. Uh, so I taught that several years ago and what I, what I found was like, almost I'd removed myself a little bit from that experience of like anticipate. I was also like before Jesus. So um, my expectation of college was a little different, hopefully than many of the students <laughs> in the room, but um, I did kind of have to put myself back there in that place a little bit, but then also watching a little bit of culture change, you know, maybe mm -hmm. some expectations and, you know, thinking about kind of what did you learn and thinking about your own college experience. And as you've been one to engage with students here at RYM for years, you know, were you surprised by some of kind of almost expectations of college or what some of those questions were? Was it any different than it has been? Or, you know, how did that kind of shape your week as well? Yeah, that's that's a great thought. The um, the the virtue in talking about the self or the flesh or the old self or the love of self as the biggest threat to your faithfulness is that 
the college culture changes so fast and so much. A lot of the prep that I felt like I'd done when I was going to be a student or the prep people had had me do um, is, is kind of outdated, right? But we will always war against the flesh. Um, and so that, I think, is the common enemy that I have and those students have. Being able to talk about that, put us on the same playing field. And it, it is really easy, interesting to think about students being, I don't know, maybe college right now seems more divided or divisive than it's been. And because they're already aware of that, they're kind of thinking like, this is maybe going to be harder. Like 10 years ago, people were just letting everyone do their thing. And that was the danger to Christians. And now I've got to be prepared to answer the question, what does it mean to live as a child of God? Is this arrogant or exclusive? Um, which was different than maybe my own college experience. Yeah. That's good. Um, Joel, how about you tell us your class title and uh, yeah, all that. Yeah. My, uh, my class was your home away from home, learning to love God's church. Good title. About as riveting as you think it was. Uh, it was a semester's worth of ecclesiology. Um, (laughs) crammed into three days with a really ambitious goal and I think some somewhat realistic expectations. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I told, I told one of the classes, I was like, after you leave here, you can tell people that you've taken a seminary class. You can quote me on that. Okay. Um, yeah, that's right. The Reverend Dr. Joel. Um, no. Uh, so my, my big goal with this class was, to just sort of bring a bigger perspective to what it means to be a, one of the people of God in the world today. Um, and as I was thinking about like preparing for the class, I thought, okay, you, you can either start with the like pinprick lived experience and start by saying, what do you know right now? Or in the work outward, or you can start with sort of the biggest umbrella framework and then start to narrow it down to some of the distinctives of being uh, a member of the household of God today in today's world. Um, I don't know which one would have been, quote, more successful, but I did the start with the massive umbrella framework, lay out some principles, and then work my way in. Um, for the vast majority of people who were there on day one, they thought, okay, I'm going to hang with you, nerd boy, and I'll, I'll come back and I trust that eventually you're going to say something that I care about or that I understand. Um, and then some of the people were like, I can't do it. We just read the Bible a lot, and he gave me like this thing called a covenantal framework for the people <laughs> of God. And then he told me that like I was made for worship and community, and I don't know what any of that means, so I'm going to go – to a class that I can understand. Fair enough. I, I sort of knew that that was going to happen in talking with uh, RIM staff about sort of the, the class. I was like, hey, I think my class is going to be like ecclesiology. It's just going to be like a, a, a history nerd class, pretty much like a theology, history, church history nerd class. And uh, I tried to make it obviously as like applicable and everything as I could. And some of those were, yeah, some of those attempts were more successful. Some probably weren't. So I think things that I learned in the class, um, maybe relearned or re-remembered, was like there is a huge 
there's a huge spectrum of interest and of commitment and of like desire to learn and grow in any setting, but the bigger a setting gets, the more variety you're going to have within that. So there were people who literally were there and like were trying to keep their head upright and they're like actively wearing their bathing suit and a basketball jersey and they're like, I'm here for two reasons and this is not one of them. And then there were people who literally were like, I'm going to sit on the front row with my own notes. I'm following, I'm looking up all the passages, I'm making eye contact. You know, so it was one of those things where I remember like different students have way different capacities and desires to dig in and, on different topics. Um, and yeah, just sort of re-remembering that because I think one of the big things that all of us can fall prey to is getting so familiar and used to our immediate context that we forget like what the appetites and what the capacities are for other people. So RYM has been really helpful uh, for me to understand my own group, understand my own context, and also to remember, like I told my wife last night on the phone, I said, it's, it's helpful for me to remember that like I can't just get accustomed to life at Christ's covenant and teaching at Christ's covenant and go in assuming that every other place I'm gonna teach is gonna be the exact same. And I would fall prey to that because we have, you know, we have obviously the highly educated upper middle class sort of demographic. They're really driven. They want to learn. They're really passionate about this stuff. But there are some contexts and even times, obviously, with them where it's like, oh, yeah, we're not in that space right now. We need maybe to, to bring it down a level or make it more applicable or change the way we phrase some stuff. So that was something that I relearned. Uh, do you want to chime in and say something there? No, no. I mean, the, the kind of just general thought I'm I'm having is just it, it's just encouraging to know like students are sitting in a class on ecclesiology. You know, <laughs> I mean, like seriously, we we can laugh, but the fact that there are teenagers at this conference, right. we're like, I want to go to that class, and they, you know, if they just have a small category of like the importance of the church now because right. of that, and just the fact that it's offered, and even if people didn't take it, but they just see it up there. I mean. That's communicating something. That's that's encouraging to me, even though it might be nerdy or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I said that a few times. I was like, y'all, I none of this really clicked for me until I was in college, and I was born and raised in the church. My dad's a pastor. Like, none of it really clicked. And so, one of the things that I want to do is start to shed light on aspects of the church that hopefully start to resonate with you and help you understand what it means to be a child of God and help you understand what it means to live faithfully. I mean. Ultimately, it's funny, Clay and I actually ended, some of our students overlapped and went to his class and my class, back to back. And I got, uh, I got done with the class and one of my guys goes, Joel, the way that you ended your class was almost verbatim the way that Clay ended his class. Because we talked about the marks of a healthy church and what it means to live as faithful members of the family of God. And ultimately we ended on faithfulness means uh, you know, being salt and light in the world, loving the body of Christ, uh, building community, and then going and making sure that we are not, you know, cloistered and hermetic, but we are actually uh, living out the gospel in the presence of others and being in fellowship with God and others well, so that when other people look at us, they will come to know that we're Christians by the way that we love one another, by the way that we worship. And it was just funny knowing like, oh yeah, ultimately like that almost no matter what class you're teaching, we're going to come back to some of those essentials. And so for me, it, it was, yeah, relearning context and capacity, 
and then sort of remembering like there are a few foundational things that no matter what you're teaching, no matter how you're teaching it, you're probably going to end up coming back to a few core things. And I was like, that's good. Like some, yeah, I'll I'll stop there. And I've got more thoughts because I always have more thoughts. And all of y'all know that. (laughs) But I'll stop there and let y'all, anyone chime in. I wanted to jump in. I see you holding the tiny mic. Yeah, (laughs) barely. I I barely barely see you holding the tiny mic. Uh, And just say that, yeah, that struck me too. And I was thinking of, not making assumptions about our students yeah. and them understanding those fundamental principles. Yeah. In one of my sessions, I had a, a group of like three guys who were great because they really weren't sure what was going on and they were not afraid to ask about it, right? So they were throwing their hands up just like, what does the word that you just said mean? Oh, that's so good. And um, today he asked the question, we were talking about this, and he said, wait, wait, what's the difference between a campus ministry and a church? Mm. And I was like, man, in my head, I was kind of thinking, I just assumed that everyone right. here would be, would be able to make that distinction. And we were talking about campus ministry not being a substitute for church. But it was great because it gave yeah. me a minute to be like, here are the benefits of a campus ministry. We talked about the marks of the church and why, you know, going to somewhere where you worship, where you're, you're dedicated time in the word and with the sacraments being like, campus ministries aren't offering you visible pictures of gospel realities in the same way. And that was just really fun. Again, something I learned and yeah, great thought. Yeah. I love that. Uh, one of the, one of the last things that I'll say, and then I'll, uh, let John retake control. Um, (laughs) it's like, it's like captain Philip. This is, this is my podcast now. Um, uh, one of the last things that I thought of it is, yeah. Um, shout out Tom Hanks if you're listening, and I know you are. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll bring it back in. Uh, one of the things that I also learned is that um, using and living out and playing to your strengths is going to look different and sort of will inevitably look different depending on your context. And again, a, a lot of this is just like a duh. But when you're presented with that and it's in your face, you, you realize it. And it just makes me think. Like it I mean, makes as me. As a teacher. Yeah, as a yeah. teacher. Yeah. So I would say that my primary strengths are either like preaching and formal teaching or like from the front or uh, like very informal small group conversation where you just kind of like tell it like it is and you talk about stuff and you hash out ideas and you fight. And then you come to some sort of consensus and then you walk away and you're like, man, I love you more because of that. Those are sort of my primary skill sets. And the, the mid-size seminar doesn't, honestly, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to those two like biggest strengths of mine. I, I've learned that like while I can and should capitalize on those strengths, uh, I also need to develop a little bit in the like mid-range teaching but not definitely not like preaching in a sense you know we're not on a sunday morning it's not corporate worship so just kind of learning like okay well what do i need to develop and then even thinking critically about like you know some guys are really great at like they're very story driven and then they drop the gospel bombs i'm sort of like i'm gonna hit you with every every theological concept i'm gonna try and connect them and then hopefully I'll rope you in with like 
I'm going to torch youth culture for five seconds, but then point out the redemptive aspects of that. So, anyways, yeah, the the just sort of the teaching and skill set type stuff. What was another thing for me to relearn? Yeah, I was just going to say here in both you guys, like, um, and I've I've been able to teach a few years now, and it is such a learning experience out of your own context. There is a huge variety of students here at RYM. We think like, oh, there's probably mostly whatever, like, you know, reform church. There is just people coming from very different backgrounds and very different stories. And so you are kind of thinking, okay, what's my gifting? How do I, how do I operate in that? But then at the same time, I'm learning, you know, I was thinking about yours with ecclesiology, like, okay, well, I use this word. What's another word I can, you know, like, right. how, how did I say things that, that missed people? And like over the years, I thought about the same thing of like, man, I just, I just gave them a suitcase of, you know, of information and then learning how to, learning your giftings is such like a cool aspect of getting to do this at RYM mm-hmm. and then getting feedback from other youth leaders. And, um, you know, I don't know if yeah, we're doing that can this be really year. fun. Yeah. The feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, so I don't know if we're doing it this year, but I've gotten the feedback before, you know, that just comes in an Excel document and it was not glorious. Um, so, you know, those are humbling experiences, but it, but, but there's such a play element to how God has made us and our giftings mm-hmm. and being able to bring his, his truth to other people and where they are. And I don't have to do it like you. You don't have to do it like me. Like there's mm-hmm. just the uniqueness in each of your stories to be able to do that. And it's really cool to see that happen with students here and connecting with them. And um, anyway, just another part. I, I, was, I was really kind of drawn hearing each of you kind of talk about how you're having to learn of um, that play element of, reading the room. Hmm. I'm really good at this. This is my safe spot, but right now I need to, I need to kind of operate a little bit out of that comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, And that's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, I would kind of forgotten just the first time teaching here that you are quickly reminded, Oh, wow, this is not my group of students. And this is a totally different context because you have people from, from all over. So that's such a good point. Um, I do want to talk about your elective uh, a little bit. Why don't you tell us your title? And um, if you can, and just kind of the, the you know overarching topic. Yeah, so I'm a paragraph titler, um, and I'm never married to my title, so oftentimes I forget what I titled mine. But it was Broken Pieces, Finding Hope by, and Suffering by Learning the Language of Lament. And so um, I give everybody 10 minutes to uh, check, did they come into the right class? Do you really want to talk about suffering and to sit in the ashes for three days? Um, but if you want to leave, I have no shame, you know, uh, and did anybody leave? Nobody left. Nobody. I think at least honored the embarrassment of walking out and like, (laughs) I'll do it tomorrow. I won't be back, but you know, we sustained pretty solid through the week. Um, and so, um, really my goal was to, um, to, to really welcome people into, um, their own stories and realize that they have a God who is very compassionate and very good, and that their troubles are not too little nor too much for that God. And that probably a lot of us probably really struggle with at some part of our either upbringing or early Christianity, somehow feeling like good Christians don't complain, good Christians Mm. press on, you have joy, you have happiness, but what happens when it all crashes down? And the beauty of God's condescension to his people is to give us 60 plus laments, you know, to, to give us such a wide variety of expressions of the human soul in the Psalms to welcome us bringing an accurate description of what is hard about today, 
to a God that we believe cares and hears us, even if we say it in a way that feels undone. And so um, the structure of my class for the week was to, to enter into that story, we have to know God's grand story. So we really started with a creation, fall, redemption overview day one to really look at, you know, to understand what I'm dealing with and the way the world is. I go back to the beginning and look at what is the goodness and the delight that God has made me for to experience in him, but also to enjoy his creation, to enjoy my making, like that God delighted in making me, delighted in me being made in a way where I need relationship. He delighted in taking his time in creation. I kept going back to that Kelly Capic, um, Capic uh, quote from YLT of God is not in a hurry. And in our suffering, we want to just take it to God and say, you're late. You know, I ordered fast food healing. And so uh, <laughs> fix this. And God is not worried about efficiency. He is all about our goodness and his goodness coming to us. And so we start with creation. Then we look at the fall and how it is that we've experienced evil's assault on God's good creation and the way that plays out and the wounds we experience, the lies of the evil one, and even the ways in which we struggle in our own flesh to distance ourselves from our own suffering and try to seek comfort and healing apart from the goodness offered in God himself. Um, and so then day two, we learned one of those ways that God has given us to embrace the redemption and the restoration offered in Jesus Christ is through the practice of lament is actually recognizing we are in desperate need, but God blesses our mourning because in our mourning, we get the comfort of Jesus. We get the shepherd who is actually present in the valley with us. And so really day two and day three, we're, we're kind of just kind of almost a circling back in the, in the waiting pool, if you will, um, to the same truths. And we practiced taking laments and putting it in our own words of uh-huh. using kind of some deep language of like David in Psalm 13 or the sons of Korah in Psalm 42, and to take these words and say, hey, where does that resonate with your experience? Mm. Where is it that it feels like, God, I know you're the good covenant-keeping God, but I feel forgotten today. How long will I feel forgotten? How long will it feel like you've removed your face from me? Or your waves are crashing over me. How long will it feel so overwhelming? And so... It was really been beautiful. I have a few people. I didn't ask anybody like, okay, you know, turn in time. Let's see your prayers. Um, but I did have, you know, at least one or two that just um, were really moved to feel like they were given a place to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't had that in a little bit. And so to, to even like, hey, I wanted to share this with you and, yeah. and how I can pray for them. Um, and so we kind of did that day two and day three and just kind of kept going back to um, one, giving people a place to feel and to feel deeply because they've been made in the image of God who feels mm-hmm. deeply. and um, But then also um, to be able to lament with hope, not lament that leads to cynicism, not lament that mm-hmm. leads to despair, but lament that's on a trajectory of hope even if your faith feels feeble today. Man, that's awesome. Like you said so much good stuff there, but, but I'm just thinking of like, right and we're done. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> right, at, right at the beginning, you right just saying... <laughs> Saying like, I mean, you think of all these teenagers that are here that have never thought about it's okay to not just act happy all the time. That it's okay to lament, like you said. I mean, they kind of have space to complain, you know, in you know a way where you're saying caution from uh, cynicism and bitterness and things like that. But how vital that is for these mm-hmm. teens to grow up now knowing, hey, it's okay. Um, and you know, as you're talking about story, I'm just thinking. 
the reason why these people are taking your class is probably because of their story and a difficulty they might have had. I'm just curious if you've been able to hear some of those, if you've had students share that, maybe to the whole class or afterwards. Um, I don't know if any of that's confidential or you cannot share. I mean, obviously not names or context, but is there any kind of generic um, conversation you can you can share from some students that are in there? Yeah, uh, so some years I kind of wait after class like, you know, hey, anybody want to talk? Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and so I, I kind of was kind of expecting a, a little bit of, of that, of, of a struggle to, for people to engage story um, a little bit. And, but I tried to give some, some what I would call um, vague vulnerability, you know, give people some, some space to say things without attaching it too closely. So when we ask, hey, you're experiencing the world in a way that's wrecked, like how do you, how do you just experience the way in which um, this place doesn't operate the way it should? And so you hear some people express like bullying, you know, people express like, you know, betrayal. And, you know, so you put a vague word that you can tell like it's meaningful. And so so then after class, I was able to hear um, both from chaperones and students some places of, you know, hey, I just wanted to share this or if you had any wisdom of this or, or and some of it. Um, my only wisdom is I, you know, I'll sit with you in this because Jesus sits with you in it. Um, you know, what you're in right now is, I mean, it's really dark, it's really hard, but it's not too much for God and it, and there's no timetable on it, you know. And um, so I think for some people, it's to have a space for somebody to hear them. I had one student come up and say, the words you, you've said have been really helpful because, um, and I, I shared a little bit of my own story. Like I was the class clown. I was voted class clown, clearly not most athletic, but uh, voted <laughs> class clown because my job was for you to have a good time and to keep you as far away from knowing how sad I really felt. Mm-hmm. So I wore the smile. And so, you know, a student comes up and says, that, that was, that's so much, I don't know how to feel. And you gave me such permission this week, or, you know, more accurately, the Psalms give us most permission. God gives right. us permission that he's a God who, you know, Matt did a great job. Um, you know, the way you two guys said, like you said something that, you know, uh, was in Clay's class and it worked perfect. The first night, Matt said four things. I was like, Dave Gummit, like that's day, that's <laughs> that's day it, one man. talk. You know, he took my opening illustration. What you got to rewrite my Yeah, stay up till four. No, but um, I was just able to, to point back because Matt's done such a great job in big group. But, um, but that reality... That image of Psalm 56, 8, God is this tear collector. And he will not let a single tear of his children drop to the ground needlessly, but actually each one of them matters because it's a testimony to the goodness we were made for and yet the harm we've experienced right now. And for students to hear that, that may have come up in a family where they just feel unseen, maybe a lot of siblings, or they've actually experienced bad parents. like They've experienced a, a harmful story. Or they've, the church has let them down. You know, so to speak on ecclesiology mm-hmm. and yet to wrestle with the tension of man, it holds together because Jesus holds it together. Yeah. Because we make a mess of it sometimes. For some of those students to, after class, begin to give some of that expression or even ask, hey, what, what would you recommend? Where can I go? You know, I was like, well, I'll be honest with you, your youth leader didn't dream of sleeping in a bunk bed. You know, they're here to be with you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, really lean into the ones who are saying, you're worth my time. Like, I want you the way God wants you. Adam, I I was just thinking about, John said it too, like you're, you're introducing this concept to a lot of people probably. And then you're opening and enveloping or um, unveiling 
sort of a space for a lot of kids who are experiencing and don't know it. But some of them might be thinking, okay, well, what are the things that I need to lament about? Uh, did you try in your class to like, I'll put it in quotations, air quotes, to safeguard lament in any way? Like, did you try to nuance like, hey, um, I'll give an example of things that I've talked about in small group with my guys. We would talk about sorrow and suffering and that sort of thing. And there are times where they're like, yeah, you know, I feel like I suffer when, uh, when I don't get the grades that I want because I get distracted by my phone and I, you know, I don't work as hard as I should and I'm lazy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that is suffering. Like, I don't yeah. know if you need to go to the Lord about that and say, like, I need to lament the fact that I'm, you know, like lazy and disciplined. Uh, maybe, like, maybe we do. But does that question make any sense at all? Yeah, like, no, absolutely. Did you, did you kind of say, like, yeah. these are things that are lament-worthy? Yeah. Well, and some that aren't? Or how well, did you go about that? Well, part of it, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, again, I try to give a lot of categories and try to give some kind of vagueness for people could kind of hook onto because part of our struggle is comparative suffering as well. Mm. I mean, I, I'll be honest, like I was on the beach the other day and I heard a girl be like, I have two arms, two legs, you know, I can do that. Like, who am I to complain about anything? And there's an element where we guilt each other and even guilt ourselves yeah. with God doesn't want to hear this. God doesn't really care about this. Mm. He only cares about that over there. So when we come, that's a work of the devil yeah. is comparative suffering strips us of a voice to approach God and receive care. But at the same time, like we're not Eeyores, we're not, you know, and uh, we're, we're not walking um, in, in depravity and all these things of, of all this is woe is me. We're sinners, suffering saints, meaning sometimes we've done something wrong. Like sometimes we have actually uh, violated God's word. Now we can also lament that I'm stuck in a season of grief. Even in Psalm 30, David even recognizes his own pride of boasting in his own resources and not seeing God's care. And so his lament is actually attached to his own grief and confession of his sin. But at the same time, I do, I totally agree with you of like the, like I had a, I had a, a woman come up to me and say, look, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you say, but I can't sit in this forever. I can't, my daughter just stays in it. Right. And so today, one of my points was, listen, we sit in the ashes, but we don't build our house in the ashes. The shepherd is walking us through the valley of the shadow of death, not setting up camp. And so the movement is towards hope and it's mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to receive the care of God, whether that's small things or little things. And I even gave the example too with my kids. Sometimes I would say like, that's not worth crying over. That's not, well, well you know what? Like to my son today, that's the world. Mm -hmm. And so I am helping me navigate big, small, massive, but, but the token, what does it mean for me to move in a way too and that God actually sees us even in what seems to be a small deal but today feels kind of massive so that I don't fall into the comparative suffering and really begin to guilt myself out of receiving the care of the Lord. Yeah, I had one. RYM is so cool because you are in a new context, and if you're in youth ministry, you know how, how great it is to pull your kids out of where they usually are. And with elective speakers or sometimes with the other leaders here, students feel more freedom. So I'm wondering, Adam, how you, after this whole week and people are bringing things to you, you're talking about it, how do you now like go home and you just heard maybe some tough stories from a bunch of people who you might never see again? Um, how do you digest that, take that with you? What, what's your next step? Uh, man, that's a great question, uh, Clay, because part of that's all of ministry, but definitely like you have these unique things like RYM where somebody may like 
you know, my wife always uses this expression, throw it up, we'll clean it up later. Um, um, I have grown to appreciate that. Um, and so there is an element of, um, I, I, I can't carry the tension of everyone, meaning I'm not Jesus. And so that's really hard for me to get, though, because um, I don't know if you're an Enneagram fan, but I'm every bit of a two. Of, I want to be helpful to other people. So part of wanting to be helpful is I want to hold your story as valuable. But what does it mean for me to hold your story but not wear it? And so there is a differentiation. I have, we have to kind of practice of being able to recognize, like, I want to bring this to the Lord. I want to pray for them. But I, I can't wear that story. I can't hold everyone's grief. Like, we're just not made for that. Um, and so, like, I want to be present with people. And yet I do have to kind of almost come down off of our lamb. And, and I kind of open with this. And I know we're, we're kind of closing out. But even as you engage your own story with other people's stories, it just gets real heavy and messy. And so... I'll be honest, like coming off of RYM, I'm doing a wedding this weekend, so we'll see how happy that is. Um, <laughs> but um, it can get really heavy, and there's just an element of what does self-care look like? I mean, I, I'll be honest, I go do things that, that are fun. I go do things that give me life. I get some time away a little bit, and I, I'm very much about self-care and just, you know, I, some of the practices I taught the students today about your breathing or physical touch of just being present in your body and not kind of like, almost trying to escape from all that you heard because the beauty of this week I God just did give me some many a lot of opportunities to talk to some of you some of those people with their stories after class and it is deep grief but the joy of recognizing like mm -hmm. look the way I'm meeting with you like Jesus does that like this is what he does and I'm a part of God's goodness to you today like I'm, I'm nothing other than part of his goodness in that and he has more of that for you he has more of that for you back home he has more of that in places that it feels like right now it's not there. And so what a joy it is to be a part of that. Well, I, I, yeah, I was, I was going to say one thing, just how awesome it is for you to be a voice that speaks into uh, the students' lives and even the leaders' lives in a unique way. Something that kept coming to mind um, is something that a good buddy of mine said when we were hanging out with a bunch of other young pastors and we were just talking about so, oh, the woes of ministry, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, confessing our pride and our goals and all this stuff. And, and my friend, Ethan Brown looks at me and he says, Joel, I'm going to say this uh, to you because I am also saying it to myself. And, you know, we're very similar. And he just says, uh, you're not as good of a leader as you think you are. You're not as good of a husband as you think you are. You're not as good of a teacher and preacher as you think you are. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And it was, yeah, I just kept thinking about that in my own teaching this week. And yeah, even sort of a, a plurality of voices, a plurality of perspectives, gospel centered perspectives that help bring sort of different emphases and different truths to light. Um, yeah, very thankful for obviously your voice because even listening to you, I'm like, I don't have that language like that just isn't part of my story, so to speak, as much as it is for you. So I wouldn't know how to teach on that, but I know what it's like to need guys to come to me and be like, hey, dude, check yourself. Like, yeah. do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Um, and that's again, there's a lot of freedom in that. And one of the things even that I was, you know, you were saying how, how you're going to talk to your wife when you get home. Part of me as like a highly driven, high achiever, I'm like, I don't want to tell Maddie about how I was insecure, that there were less people in hour one 
the second day than there were on the first day. Like, I don't want to do that because then I have to admit that, yeah, it, it didn't resonate with them. You know, that it's like, I don't want to work through that. I would rather just be like, whatever. They aren't, they can't handle my teaching. You can't handle the truth. You know, like, yeah. So it's, it's even fun. Like even you talking about that processing it, I've got all these voices running through my head and I'm like, that's good. I, I need all of that. And I need to process that ultimately in prayer and then fellowship with, with God and with the body of Christ. So, yeah. yeah that's good guys. Look, y'all served all in this week by teaching. And then you immediately came to be on this podcast and you have students you're dealing with and everything. So I really appreciate y'all taking the time to do this. Um, also just to our listeners, um, lunch is almost over and I hope you guys can still get lunch. So just know that these guys have sacrificed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thanks so much again for, for being on this today and for serving all in this week. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Oh, come and buy without money.